So this evening is our meditation vigil. So we're offering this um, structure using the time between now and midnight to make a commitment to meditation, formal practice for people living here. And so please try to um, you know take the, take the opportunity and support it for your own welfare, welfare of other people. Certain sense of collecting and gathering and that occurs when we operate as a group in this way. And it's something that happens just almost kind of on a bodily level. There's a particular energy that gets um, crystallizes which is not nothing to do with the personalities, but just the whole sense of they're just being human human forms, human bodies sitting here, and the steadiness and the stillness of that. Mm. We learn learn perhaps is the wrong wrong word to to use, but we we attune naturally. You can't help it. We are affected, we're attuned to the presence of other people. If we were cats, we'd probably be attuned to cats and mice. But as we humans, we're attuned to the presence of other humans. That is, you know, when you're a little tot, that's your fundamental reality. You learn it from how the, what the human beings do. How they stand up and talk and the distances that they stand from each other when they talk. And things of that nature. This varies from culture to culture. You have body language and so on. And sometimes people comment that, you know, if you live in England, you stand. People stand a lot closer to each other when they talk than if you're living in in um, in other countries. Or, or perhaps in other countries, people talk stand a lot closer. And nobody actually tells you this. You just it just happens, and you that's what people do. It's almost like there's a sense of where the energies um, gather and are met and, f- and feel normal. So we pick up something, you know. We can be calmed by something. We can be calmed by the presence of other human beings sitting still. Be agitated by people flapping around, moving around. It's like that pick up those energies <clears throat> when you begin to get a sense of what uh, these energy energy is about this kind of subtle energy not the energy of doing anything just the energy of, of being 
you learn a lot. Learn a lot about how you're affected, how you're stirred, how you're thrown out, how you're shocked. <coughs> what happens when you get blasted or frightened or panicked? You know, something gets thrown, gets thrown out, and you feel quite lost and agitated, trying to find ground again, trying to get settled again. When you feel comfortable and settled, you feel complete. Your body feels stable and steady and relaxed. When you're agitated and upset, angry or frightened, body feels very agitated and uncertain. We, sometimes we tighten up with that, trying to hold on. So we get tight, knotted senses in our, in our bodies. And the mind operates from that basis. You have a tight, knotted body. You're not going to have a, a, a rational, steady, calm, sane mind. You can have a frightened, angry, upset tight, righteous, you know, frightened mind. It's like that. <clears throat> so, and if you're able to steady and calm and and, uh, and settle in the body, you have a happy mind, peaceful mind. The body is a very powerful agent for our welfare, and it's sensitive. Mm. When we live in a community, then to to recognise we can, you know, without necessarily doing anything deliberately uh, harmful to each other, just by being a bit agitated and flapping around and crashing around, you can make people feel quite unsettled and restless and confused or defensive. And by sitting moving around mindfully, you can help to calm people down and make people feel welcome and peaceful. It's like that. <clears throat> we tend to rely upon our words and thoughts to do it for us, but as you re- can recognize in the learning ground of meditation, you know, the words and thoughts don't do you much good, do they? Just tell yourself to relax or brighten up or look on the bright side or concentrate or get it together or don't think about that right now. It doesn't do a thing. Mm. And so really, you know, learn from that. How good is these thinking and speaking uh, as an agent to get something, make something happen? <coughs> it doesn't happen directly. Not to say that it's not relevant, because certainly when we talk together, we can bring across the sense of, I'm interested in you, I'm listening to you, I enjoy your company. Those messages come across. A lot of conversation is just like that, giving a certain sense of warmth and welcoming, or or appreciation, or interest, or empathy. So it's not even what's said, but the fact that it's said, and there's a certain sense of of the of the verbal energy that helps. This is independent from the topic. You know, obviously the topics are connected, but it's 
it's the it's the sense of of directing the right kind of energy, knowing what you're doing. Uh, and then we have this quite a, a powerful reservoir for our own benefit and for uh, for the benefit of others. You learn a lot that way. practice of <coughs> mindfulness of breathing when you begin to experience that in terms of how the body energy uh, the distress in it uh, the ease in it the uh, loss of it the presence of it the constrictions in it and how you can use mindfulness of breathing to begin to review this and be present with that and allow a kind of healing and completing and steadying process to occur. The Buddha outlines this in the Anapanasati Sutta that we've been practicing chanting and to really look at some of those terms and what they what he's referring to and what what he's not saying. It doesn't say watch the breath doesn't say focus on your nostrils it doesn't say it just says be mindful one is breathing in mindful one is breathing out mm. and you learn a lot just in the simplicity of that I mean, the energy that occurs when you breathe in and breathe out are quite different effects mm. So that seems quite uh, apparent, the fact that the Buddha does say, you know, he doesn't say just be with your breathing, but breathing in and breathing out. And when you contemplate the energy that goes along with those, they're, they're quite strikingly different. They're almost the synopsis of <coughs> the way all our stuff happens, our emotions, our thoughts, all they happen, how they all happen in synopsis. There's the kind of rising up, gathering, crystallizing, forming, vitalizing, sharpening energy that brings things up. And then there's the stopping and then the letting it go, releasing it. So it kind of spreads and diffuses and settles. That's the way it all works. So if you hold, you learn about the difference between holding and grasping, and you hold the breathing process, it means just holding yourself present through that process of breathing out, perhaps first, just letting go, relaxing, settling down, just letting it be that way. Mm-hmm. To the energy, you can feel the energy of tension or agitation or trying to get it right or making it how is this going to work for me and why should I have to do this and all that stuff that sort of fear and agitation or you know pressure you know you're going to breathe out so why don't you just you know whether it's right, wrong good, bad enlightening, not enlightening wise you, you know you're going to do it you're going to breathe out so you know whether you like it not like it whether it's good wise awakened or whatever you're still going to do it so just be with it you know for one out breath 
and let that feel the energy with the effect of it. Not doing any harm. It's not going to. It's not about you know dismissing issues and and not dealing with topics. It's just about taking yourself the time to breathe out because that's what bodies do. And there's the, the you realize that the to to any kind of process is only skillful as long as it is held in that pattern, the breathing in, the breathing out, because that's the way all things are like that. They arise and they subside. If you only pick up the arising of things, the arising of a thought, the arising of a, of a joy, the arising of happiness, the arising of pain, the arising of distress, you just get up and up and up, and you get tightened up, excited, distressed, you know, energy just keeps lifting up and up and up. And what does that feel like? You lose balance. And, and quite, uh, I think the the out breath is something to has to be emphasised because in uh, when you receive contact. It touches you. You hear a word. You hear a sound. The immediate sense of that is there's a jolt of some kind, and oh, some kind of contact impression. Something gets stirred and stimulated. It's the arising. And our whole conditioning is not well. Let's see what happens to that in a few seconds. Condition is well. Oh, quick! Do something. Um, reply. Sort it out. Is it right? Is it wrong? Should I? Should I? Should I? You know, get on the ball with that. So the the conditioned response is to react and throw more energy into the pot. Something happens. You know, defend yourself from it. Analyze it. Fire it back. Answer it. Uh, figure it out. Decide if it's right, wrong. Who's it, who's it belong? And so, so you get this kind of agitation. Quick, 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 quick. And. Um, you know, you get this kind of escalation. It's why human life can be so, such a wind-up for us. To just that that sense of, you know, can we allow the present arising to go through its complete phase of energy? It doesn't take very long. A thought comes. Oh. There it goes. Mm. So holding is just like holding the space which can, conditions can manifest and go through their, their, their process, their rising, their subsiding, and learning that. And the breathing is a very good, neutral, safe, embodied, grounded, natural way to learn that that process, to study that process, to feel comfortable with that process, to gain confidence in it. Because if you contemplate what the effect in the bodily sense of doing that, if you're lighter, if you're clearer, if you're happier,
and in um, just the, in practicing that, just in the bodily sense, as you come to the bodily awareness of breathing, you can feel the some of the difficulties in in just sensing that a bit tight around the diaphragm. What's that? You're very much up in the head. What's that? What's happening? We begin to recognise that the body has these is retaining these impressions of um, stress. It's obvious, isn't it? You know, just what happens when somebody shouts at you or or, or rips into you. However, you can psychologically, you know, be with that or understand it or be forgive it or forget it. Still, your body has has an effect on the body. Body tightens up. It's supposed to do that, and then you've got to give it the time to safe breathe it out. The shoulders drop. Diaphragm loosens. So this is ha- this kind of somatic experience is happening to us throughout the day. Sometimes we get extremely stressed, um, you know, and uh, we can, and that's that we can psychologically dismiss it, or forget it, or oh, it's just that, or it doesn't really matter, or or oh, I'm sorry about that. I think that's the end of it, but it isn't. You know. What happens if you don't actually address the bodily results is that, you know, you think you've, you've sorted it out in your mind, you think your mind's up in your head in the thinking process that's sorted it out, but actually haven't really released it in the body. So you still feel kind of a bit up, and, you know, and, and in that tightened state, then we feel slightly nervous or agitated, and it affects the way we view the world. Why do people bear grudges? What's that about? It's really about things that have got locked in, they've never been fully released. Say they've been explained, analysed, thought about, discussed, still hasn't actually finished it, because the energy of that has not completed. It hasn't breathed itself out. It hasn't released anything. Somebody's telling me recently about an experience. This man is 70 years old. And uh, he's telling me about an experience he'd had quite recently when he's listening to a, um, a, a song Maria Callas or something singing this song and he's listening to this song and he's just sitting there listening to it and it suddenly had this flashback to when he was three years old and this music was playing when he was three and he, suddenly he was there at the age of three with his mother who was sending him away and that was the last time he saw her alive and he, she was telling him he had to go and there's a whole history in that. But um, of course he's only three, so he didn't understand what was going on. And 
all his life he'd uh, been a person who bore grudges and uh, felt that he felt that disappointment was his due. You know, he was someone who was supposed to be, who never was going to get it right, was bound to be disappointed, bound to be rejected and so forth. And he had this kind of whole pattern. He had quite a brusque um, manner, an armoured manner, a defensive manner. Uh, and he said he realised as he sat there with that music and he just found himself in this state where he was, became incoherent that he'd never, you know, he's still something in him had not really, something, not his head, but something in him had not actually forgiven his mother, if you like, or made peace with that, or settled it. He's still been that, that shock was still there. He was completely incoherent. And he said, what he did in that state, in a state of panic, he just reached for the phone and phoned, you know, punched some numbers and managed to kind of pick up the phone and, and say something. And the person on the other end of the phone just told him to breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out. And he came back to his kind of normal state. So this is an example and you to consider, you know, the way that stuff can be retained and stored. If, uh, and what we can do about that, because all of us have had sorts of unpleasant experiences, I'm sure, and disappointments and shocks and betrayals and arguments and been frightened and dumped, dumped on. And so forth. And what do you do with that? You know, because if, if it's still, you know, if I haven't fully released it, and it begins as you try to get into your body, you can see how free does it feel there, how satisfying does it feel there, how can you take a rest in your body, or does it feel like something is still holding on with a feeling of well I better hold this uh, not quite safe not quite settled uh, with no reason just a funny sense of holding something back you can't quite relax and you don't have to think it but just to feel some of these these places or these experiences because um, it's not a point of trying to go through all the, every historical event in your life but just to feel some of this patterning that occurs and open your mind open your awareness open your heart around that be fully aware fullness of awareness full sensitivity really a willing full awareness and awareness is not purely something that you do um, like looking at something, it's feeling and allowing yourself to be touched by something. I think it's very significant that this form of Buddhist meditation is about touch, isn't it? You know, you can sense the sensations of the breathing happening in your own body, 
and of all the sense bases, touch is the most vulnerable and edgy, you know. You, you can look at somebody, but you don't touch people unless there's real, you know, it's okay to do so, you know, friends or whatever. Because, you, you know, it's very intimate. And when you touch something, you are touched by it. So it's a place, it's quite a shivery kind of place. Mm-hmm. So allowing yourself to be touched by the breathing. That's the full awareness. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, me being aware of it, but I'm entering into a place of full awareness where I, I let it touch me, I let it come to me uh, and affect me. It's not just me getting on top of it and making it work. And what's it like to be touched by something like that? Perhaps a little bit wobbly at first, because we might not be um, used to focusing in such a way. We might feel slightly uh, awkward about being that vulnerable, that that you know, having that much receptivity. As normally in our lives, we tend to direct our attention and. You know, I'm on one living it when I push things around, I do this and do that, and then, you know, nothing comes in here. <coughs> or limited, it's very filtered, isn't it? So just to kind of open and let it happen to you. It's probably one of the bits about mindfulness of breathing that we don't really get or understand. There we are doing it and wondering how how long we're going to do it for and how good we're going to do it and what we'll get at the end of doing it and who's good at doing it and what's the right way to do it and you know can you just let it do you without it being right or wrong just let it be a breathing and you know and in in that step you know without before you get into anything like you know, every single breath and concentrate is just that very first step of letting it touch you, letting it come to you, opening yourself to it. There's an enormous paradigm shift around me and mine and myself. Suddenly, you know, the glass window is open. It's coming in. And then, really, the process is much more of, you know, the immersion in that, like you're swimming in it, or you're, you're, you're into it. Now you actually float and balance and, and, and flow along with it. But in that kind of way, that's the, that's the place, that's, that's the way in which some of these uh, tensions and things can be slowly released. They release themselves because there isn't this big me doing it all, sorting it all out. And the the experience of that is, is ener- the energy of that is very different. Because when I'm in there doing it and sorting it and making it and changing it and fixing it and getting good at it and not getting good at it, I mean, you feel what it feels like, the kind of push and the 
the quality, the energetic quality of that. Yeah? Just compare that, say, as if you, when you're, what it's like if you're with another person and you've got things you want to say and you, you know, you're putting it down there and you, this is the way it is. And you don't actually listen to the other person, what it feels like. You know, when there's only one person in the conversation, it's me. <laughs> you know, and you're just there as a, some, somebody I can do it onto. What's, that feel? What's it feel like when stop, listen, and it's mutual? Much softer um, sense of self and something much more tender and connected. And that's same thing happened. And in that, um, there's much deeper feeling occurs, connection, things get released, things get said that might not have been said otherwise, things get unfolded that might have been left folded up, tightened up. What's it like when we really meet and the anxiety and the self-consciousness and the embarrassment and the positioning relaxes. And you know, how unnecessary all that is. All that I am stuff. How unnecessary it is. That's what it's like when you meet yourself in breathing. How unnecessary it is to be right. How stupid it is to think you're wrong. How unnecessary it is to, to keep working in the right, wrong, success, failure, good, bad um, things. You know, what is what's that about? Which is the right breath to have? Which is the wrong one? Was that a good breath? It doesn't make sense, does it? So if we approach meditation without entering you know, from this terri- from this place we still believe and work in terms of good, bad, right, wrong, success, failure, you know, can you ever get beyond self in that? Can you ever actually enter and meet and feel and receive anything? And when you do receive and enter let yourself be touched by experiences right, wrong, good, bad doesn't make sense how right is an apple how wrong is a sheep doesn't make sense so that part of the, that all that stuff that, that way of operating can just relax and then you this is what concentration is samadhi is that all that programmed, judgmental, driven state and tension with it, and the hardening with it, and the dread with it that you might not get it right, and then the anxiety, and then you, who wants to be in that? So meditation becomes a continual struggle. No depth in it. Meditation is a place to undo yourself in. To let yourself be undone. 
So really, it is the sweetest but the deepest renunciation. It's deepest because it's getting right on that nerve edge of me and my front and my nervousness, my self-consciousness and my wanting security and my wanting to be right and so forth. It's getting right onto that point. And it's the sweetest because when you can give that up, you find you don't sink. The world floats. It carries you. It's a relief. And you think, what have I been doing? How did I forget the refuge was always here? You can learn a lot in just breathing in and breathing out. You can learn a lot about the difference between holding, holding the space and letting it happen, and grasping, tightening up, trying to make it work. You can learn a lot about where the sense of self crystallizes and hardens, and the pain of it and the um, inadequacy of it, unsatisfiable. And when the sense of self relaxes, how uh, happy it is. And the, you know, the, very, the very awkwardness, of just around that edge of how do we relax ourselves, how do we take leave of ourselves without dismissing? Do we, you really see you need something you can trust in? You need something that holds you? You don't let go unless you've got something to let go into. You don't relax unless you've got something to relax into. You don't sit down unless you've got a chair to sit on. You, 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 need, you need something to carry you, you know, and, uh, you know, you can trust your breathing, that's going all the time, that's never failed you, it's never let you down, it's never hurt you, it's never accused you, just... Take your, take your trust from the ability to breathe in and breathe out and to let it happen. Get the sense of trust from there rather than trust in an idea or a strategy or an opinion or a view or a teaching or hmm, some kind of piece of self that you feel good about. can learn a lot breathing in and breathing out. A lot about, you know, just staying with something till it, till it finishes. The complete, you know, till something com- really completes itself. The breathing all the way out until it's 
it's done all it needed to do. Not just the interesting bit, but the, the complete, till it's finished what it had to do, and it just slides to a stop, and you just wait until an in-breath comes along. It's that innocent. And if you follow the the energy of the breathing, there's the movement of the tissues and the movement, you can feel the sensations of the air, and they gradually stop. And it just a little bit after it is where the energy stops. And it's not until the energy has stopped that you feel the real sense of letting go. So if you don't, you, so you wait. Even after the last bit of air has gone out, there's still a subtle extension of letting go. Of the the energy goes a little bit further than the the air breathing out. Then it comes to a standstill and it turns, picks up. Same with breathing in. As the lungs fill and the body swells, the the momentum. The energetic momentum of breathing in continues just a little second, half a second, second, couple of seconds afterwards. Wait till it's finished what it had to do. Then it breathes out. If you follow that, then you get the sense of uh, deep calm and ease. But there has to the holding of that has to be, you know, it's not it's not a tight kind of holding. It's not holding on a particular object. It's holding up full awareness, full entered mutual receptive. You know, letting yourself be touched by it, letting it do what it has to do, and staying with it. Then the energy has got the room to unfold. Feels good. Feels pleasant. Feels complete. Well, what I personally learned from from this, in, in which has wider significance, is recognizing that to have to that one has to be with um, energies that happen and let them finish. Can't just cut them off. You have to let them come to their fruition and finish. Remember one of the um, one of my early experiences here at Chithurst was a uh, was a uh, one when I had a uh, as my mother sent me some tea. And I had this tea for a few days. And I thought, oh, and I had this idea that I'd. Uh, make 
Ajahn Sumedha and Ajahn Virudhamma a cup of tea, a really nice cup of tea, because uh, tea, I felt, in the monastery was a bit substandard. Put <laughs> it mildly. So I thought I'd make them a very nice cup of tea one morning. It's a special surprise, showing them that tea, this is why English people drink tea, is, it is actually a pleasant experience. <laughs> so I, I got up early and I made this tea and I went downstairs and I asked Anna Garrick have some milk, I took the milk up and made this pot of tea and poured the milk and the tea together, gave them a cup of tea and they, and they looked at this tea and they said, how long have you had this tea? And I said, oh, my mother sent me to about a week ago. I said, well, we can't drink it because it's got milk in it. And the vinya rule is, you see, that if it's got milk in it, everything has to be offered that very same day. And he said, well, also the rule is that the tea you've got, you have to give up. That's now forfeit. So I took the teapot away, quietly, and the tea, I gave the tea up, quietly and then I went for a very long walk <laughs> it started out as a walk it turned into a charge <laughs> I got some of the other side of Borden I think about three or four miles kind of stomping off through the woods just feeling this kind of frustrated rage in my mind you know it was almost like the body energy just had to in order to find a big enough energy to hold the energy of this passion and it was like the body energy had to get stoked up you know and then I just kind of walk and run until the body was exhausted and that was you know the energy is completed and it was a way in which that since all the emotional struggle and the conflict of that also completed with it because I certainly you only do that once <laughs> That was the last time I ate tea for anybody in the morning. <laughs> so you only have one of those and you look at milk like it's the curse of the devil, you know. You've always been very, very conscious of what happens to milk in future. So I only did that once. You know. So it's a good, in a way it's a good training. You know. So I was very clear about you know, milk, tea, coffee, anything, you know, never the twain. <laughs> Or me, if I've touched any of it. But the main point was just seeing, you know, how sometimes when you get these very powerful emotional states that maybe you, you, you know, you can't actually get your breath around. It's too strong. You got was like come to your whole body sense, um, walking. Um, sometimes people just go and do some work, you know, physical thing to get your body energy raised up enough to to hold and meet the emotional stuff. And it's almost like when you so that the the passionate energy has to unfold itself to its completion, and then oh, that's it. Isn't it like that? You see, in some uh, social context, people just shout and scream at each other. 
and you just scream and shout at each other. And then, especially after you know twenty minutes or so of that, or however long it takes, it's been finished. You know, and, and hopefully, you didn't actually hear what the other person was saying. You know, it's finished, and then oh, and then oh, well, good old friend. You know, let's have a drink, or whatever it is. <laughs> You know what? What? Just noticing how, not saying we should model ourselves in this form of behaviour. What's actually happening? Is something being analysed or thought about, or no? It's just an energetic expression is is completed, and then oh, that's the end of it. So it's uh, often as we start to enter into our, our uh, own karma, our own vipaka that's in the mind and it's some of it's embodied and it starts to come up and the issue is well, you know, feeling a bit agitated or a bit sad or a bit frightened right now and it will stop you know, defilement, hindrance, stop stop it, you know we, we uh, don't know what to do, you know, just close it down um, go back to the breath or whatever so that sense of tightening up around it, it doesn't do any good, really. Mm-hmm. Because you end up, you're getting these locks, little knots in your body. You know, you have to let it flow, let it unfold. And then we use the breathing as just something that contains it very gently. It's like walking, like walking hand in hand with your rage. You're not letting you're not walking away from it, you're not forcing it down, but you are holding it. Say, yes, 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 come on, let's walk along. And you, it's the breathing that does that. Because yeah. often I can't do it. My little me can't do it. I want to fix it. Or I proliferate about how dare they and it shouldn't have happened and who does he think he is and da 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 da. My breathing can do it doesn't proliferate it goes yeah right breathing in and you can feel the kind of that underlying energy beneath the turbulence so you breathe holding the fear the rage the sadness with the breathing energy so you're letting yourself so it begins with letting yourself be touched see if you can really trust that and if, when you're breathing, you let it touch you, it almost makes it safe. And some of these unresolved things find a way in which they can express themselves. And the breathing then becomes like a, a good friend that walks along with them until they've gone as far as they need to do. And they think, oh, I've got to the end of that now. Breathing out, it it has the energy has completed. Mm. So when we meditate, some of it is like that. You know, meditation is is a range of things. It can be places when it's very clear, and uh, and there's nothing much going on. But a lot of the time, it's quite there's bits things going on, isn't there?
we t- or we take we can take those personally. Something wrong with me. I'm having a bad day. I shouldn't be like this. That is reviewing it from the wrong place. It does no good. Um, calling it wrong with me. I've got, you know I'm uptight. I've got self view. I mean, it doesn't do any good at all. Mm. We never learn anything that way. Sometimes in a in a day or in a week, in fact, you know, I get pretty battered. Not necessarily that people are being unpleasant, though. Sometimes actually people are being quite unpleasant. <laughs> but sometimes people aren't being particularly unpleasant. But they just you know just crash in. You know, they just come bouncing into you this, uh, and you turn around a corner and somebody else bounces on you and somebody bounces on you and, and it's energy that just comes punching in it's not necessarily malevolent but it's not terribly attuned or mutual actually the person doesn't recognise oh that person is not just um, you know, an ear that I put things there's a human being there who might have other things happening for him right now and so just boom, there you are. You are the boom, there it goes. That's the kind of thing that happens when you become a figure. When you become sort of one-dimensional, two-dimensional, disembodied. Um, that's, that's the way it is. So you can, you can get quite battered energetically by just receiving. And this is... This is um, I mean, we're in the suffering business here, so there's always plenty of clients in the suffering business with their sadness and their pain and their frustration and their panic and their anxiety and so forth, and just boom, wham, wham, wham. You know, so you get into the end of the day just feeling pretty scrambled, um, and uh, so then I have to. To meditate to me is then just feeling that, and it's nothing wrong, it's not bad, and it's not that I can't meditate, it's just that this is what's being experienced now. I have to find a way to hold that. You know, get around it. Sometimes I just lie down and feel do the breathing from there. I can get, you know, as if I'm breathing all the way down into the planet, lying on my back, just letting the, the belly drop, as if I'm letting it drop all the way down into Australia, and letting it inflate all the way up to Jupiter and down to Australia. Just trying to get big enough to actually create enough space, you know, and have so little pressure, you know, so that even the, the pressure of the weight of the body pressing down isn't there because there's so much pressure inside. It just needs space, space, space. So I just kind of lie there, you know, hour or so. Just letting the energy unfold itself until it's, you know, it's unraveled and the, sometimes the body starts to even tremble like that and discharge. 
some of this stuff. And you don't understand, and it, you don't know why, but there it is. And, uh, you know, it ceases. That's what you know. <laughs> and you get up, and you feel fresh, and it's okay, and the birds are singing. and mm, you know, It's like that. Or sometimes standing. Just standing, you know, letting the chest open, letting the abdomen drop, standing, feeling the ground beneath the feet. Just getting a sense of the body, the simplicity of the body present, standing in space, and letting you know the the tightness around the chest recognize this free space right in front of you. You can open into this. You don't have to close down. And even though you know this in your head, your body needs to know it. Because I think a lot of the time, one ends up in states of shock. You know. The amount of unprocessed, raw material that, that flies around in the human realm. And my sense of this is if I don't process it here, I'm going to be spitting it out to other people, as I probably do. I'm going to be bringing my tension and depression and cynicism and boredom and fr- frustration out. You know, I've got to. This is place to discharge it so myself I really uh, relish these uh, meditation evenings you know know, where I've got the the sense of it's like open ended midnight and then I can go back to my cootie and do more, I don't have to do it in order that holding something together I just do it until I've finished my energy is finished, I'm kind of run down, it's out, it's, it's completed. Uh, and I use it as a kind of like a weekly, you know, however often I do it. I have to do it once a week at least, like a e- weekly spring clean. Yeah. Just letting everything just run down, run out, cleaning out, breathing in, breathing out, standing, keeping it very simple, holding the space. I trust it. I don't like it very much always. You know, I like to just be able to push a button for it to go away. Push another button and have wonderful technicolored scintillating meditation. But that ain't gonna happen for me. <laughs> right now, you know. Right now I'll settle for stop suffering. It's good enough. Yeah. And it's a process with that. So touch it, be touched by it, hold it, handle it. Don't blame anybody for it. Don't blame yourself. Don't think something's going wrong. And then breathing it in, breathing it out for as long as it takes. Andamayam, Dhammagataya, Sadhu Karan.